Welcome to another episode of T-Rex Talk with Evan Singleton. I'm your host, Taylor Kramer. This is part three of four. Upon recording this episode, Evan was one week out from the 2020 World's Strongest Man competition. Our hope with this episode was to give you an idea of what his mindset is like as he nears closer to one of the biggest weeks of his life. Evan then takes us through what we can expect from each event at this competition. He then ends this episode by thanking some of the people that are closest to him and leaving himself with a message that can provide some type of perspective as he heads into this pivotal moment and beyond. This series is produced by Cold Shower Media and powered by Interlink Mortgage Services. You can learn more about them in the show notes. Evan, we are exactly one week out from World's Strongest Man 2020 and the beginning of the qualifying events. How are you feeling heading into this last week before competition? And really what promises to be, at least from an athletic standpoint, one of the biggest weeks of your life. Yeah, this is definitely the biggest event of my life. This is the uh, the Super Bowl of my sport, strong man. You don't get higher than the world's strongest man. Um, mentally, it's a very good combination of three things. Confident, nervous, and excited. I'm nervous because this is the biggest competition of my life. I haven't competed in over a year because of COVID shutting everything down, making competitions get rescheduled and canceled. Um, So I've been preparing for this competition specifically for over a year. It's all I've been focused on. It's all I've been dedicated to. And now that it's finally here, it is a little nerve wracking a little bit, but that's a good thing. And most of the most, if not all of the nerves well, and anybody who competes will say the same thing. Most, if not all of the nerves will be gone after the first event. After I get the first event out of the way, it's like, okay, now I'm in it. Let's just put our head down and just keep pushing forward. Um, excited because I mean, I qualified for the world's strongest man. This is the, the pinnacle of the sport. You don't get higher than this. There are guys that are, that train strongman their whole lives and never reach this. And I'm fortunate enough, but also I, I earned it to be there that I can confidently and legitimately say that I'm top 25 strongest men in the world. And that's just, that's an exciting thought. I mean, I'm going to be on TV. Um, Cameras are going to be on me for like a week, week and a half. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to go back down to Florida. I I haven't been there down there since last year for world's strongest man when I was an alternate and an equipment tester. Let's see here. Nervous, excited, and I'm feeling very confident because this is the strongest that I've ever been in my life. This is the strongest that I've ever been, the fastest I've ever been. This is the hungriest that I have ever been in my life. Looking at the field of athletes, looking at the events, I am going into this competition very confident and knowing what I am capable of. Do the nerves for you in some ways kind of keep you sharp leading up to the events themselves? Or how do you feel about having nerves? Um, Blessing and a curse. Nerves makes me appreciate it, but at the same time, it's makes me nervous. So <laughs> you can take that for what it's worth. Um, it, I, I think it's a good thing overall, mostly to have nerves. It's, I should be nervous. I'm getting ready for the biggest competition of my life. And when you talk about physically, how you've never felt stronger, that, that seems like that is the sweet spot because we know that your training sessions and your cycle has been so long leading up to this with 
not a lot of carrots along the way in terms of those other competitions that could, you know, get you excited. I mean, that's, that's what you, what you were passionate about is the, the competition itself. And so for this one to kind of have been a long time coming and to also be at your prime physically, isn't that kind of the sweet spot? Absolutely. That's where it gets the most exciting because, uh, I know, again, I know what I'm capable of. I know what the other guys are capable of doing. And obviously anything can happen during a competition. I get all of that, but I, I know what I'm capable of doing in a competition and especially looking at the events that I have, it's, it's looking like it's going to be a really solid competition for me. I'm, I'm going into it very confident and very, very strong. So I want this episode to kind of be a mixture of getting insight into how you're specifically feeling regarding this huge event that's coming up in the next week, but also to give people some of the nitty gritty details in terms of the events and the physical preparation, all those things that go into it, just so that they have a a nice picture painted as they uh, prepare to follow along with what's actually happening. So we had discussed a little bit in the elevator uh, deloading. So can you just explain to people what deloading is and that maybe the importance of it? Yeah. Deloading is um, essential and crucial for when you're getting ready for a competition, especially one of this caliber. You want to make sure you've been hammering your body, um, essentially getting ready for a competition like this. You've been destroying your body for months, just preparing yourself, lifting really heavy weights, progressively getting heavier and heavier, just pushing your body to the absolute limits. The deload is incredibly important for a competition because you're giving your body a rest. Um, a week out from competition, you'll do some like very, very light bodybuilding movements and accessories just to get the blood flowing. Uh, lots of stretching. You're doing all of your recovery work with your massaging and your, your ice baths and all of that good stuff, all of that for good recovery. And you're doing that for about a week before the competition. So that, and then obviously like three, maybe four days before the competition, you just don't do any exercise at all. It's just stretching, maybe some walking to keep the blood flow. And then obviously more recovery work. Uh, So that way you're going into the competition as fresh as you possibly can and you're ready to destroy everything. I think that that's something that uh, maybe the average person can't grasp is when you're talking about competition at the highest level. And as you already said, this is this is the Super Bowl of strongman, the, the, the events that you're about to participate in in the next week. And the average person might just look at and think, okay, these guys are constantly going, um, as hard as they can, pushing themselves to the limit and failing to realize the importance of what recovery does and something like a deload. And so I think that that is important to understand is that on events like this with competition like this and how fine that line is, you have to really bring everything all together, which includes that recovery, the the deload, but also maintaining some of that strength that you have to take into the competition too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely something that you want to make sure you're on top of, especially at this level of competition. You can't afford to make any mistakes with food, training, deload, recovery, sleep. Everything needs to be on point going into this competition. You need to be ready for anything and everything. So is there a switch that's going to flip in you? I think that for those that follow along on social media, they kind of see where that that switch can flip, whether that's leading up to a heavy deadlift, a heavy log press, whatever it might be. Uh, where where things change a little bit and there's that intensity that comes into play. Is there going to be a specific time that you're expecting, oh, this switch is going to flip? Is oh. it is it the, the morning of the first event or what is that? Um, it'll be like half flipped the morning of the first event. And as soon as uh, the first event starts, that's when the switch will get flipped. That's when I'll stop 
joking around and I'll stop uh, being like smiley and happy. And that's when I'll start, I'll put my music in and I'll start getting really serious and I'll get all my stuff together and I'll be, I'll be ready to go. How do you keep flipping that switch on and off in order to, because it, it can't stay on constantly or you will burn yourself you out, burn yourself out after the second event in a competition where there's going to be 10, 11 plus events. It, it's all about conserving energy. And I've seen guys, especially I see this, this problem with a lot of amateurs too, is the guys get it really, really hyped up and intense like I do, but then they stay like that throughout the entire comp. And you know, you can't do that. You'll burn yourself out. You're ex- you're, you're burning a lot of energy doing that. And it's really, it, it is a rookie mistake. So after my first events done, my switch gets turned off immediately and I'm back to joking and laughing. My heart rate goes down. I'm just, I'm, I'm having a good time and all of that. And then the switch will get turned back on at the beginning of the next event. So that's kind of how you regulate then that switch is, is that ability to say, okay, um, this is serious. I need all my intensity for this endeavor. And then once that's completed, then you can say, Hey, this is maybe the coolest thing I'll ever do in my life. I got to actually enjoy parts of it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's no point. Now I go to competitions to win. I go to competitions because I'm competitive and I want to take home the gold. Obviously I, that's why I compete. I want to be the best. With that being said, there needs to, you need, need, need to set aside certain parts of the experience to enjoy it and to have fun, to laugh. All of the guys that go there, the competitors, they're my buddies. They're my friends from all over the world. I love hanging out with them. I love joking with them. We all have a very similar sense of humor, so we all get along just fine. You're going to miss the entire experience of competing at World's Strongest Man if you keep that flip, that switch flipped the entire time you're there. You won't be able to enjoy it. Have people, uh, other competitors, given you these types of advice? Yes. I've gotten this advice from, I think, three different guys. And uh, ranging from elite level where I'm at to amateur level who guys have been doing it for a couple of years. Like I've gotten the advice all throughout the ranks and it's legitimate. It's good advice. Yeah. I would think that remaining even keeled is how you would make sure that your, your first event isn't your best event and that you can remain consistent throughout the competition. Absolutely. Staying consistent is the key to winning strongman competitions. You're not going to, you're not going to win a strongman competition by being the strongest. You're not going to be the strong, the, the strongest man in the world by being the fastest. You need to be consistent and you need to be good at everything. If you're not, you'll never win. Is that what previous champions have all kind of had in common is just that consistency? There's a rule of thumb where if you want to win a competition, you need to place top three in every event. You don't need to win every event. You don't need to be the strongest guy. You don't need to be the fastest guy. You just need to be in the top three, top four. What do you imagine that the night prior to the first event is going to feel like? Are you already kind of picturing that in your head, whether that's laying in the hotel room and and unable to sleep or visualizing? What is that going to look like? It's going to be a combination of both. I I see myself. I already have the list of events that are going to be on day one. So I will be visualizing what I'll be doing the following day, what I'll be um, working with and what I'm looking to accomplish. I'll already have the night before the competition. I already have felt all of the equipment like in the boneyard where we we test all the equipment before we go out and actually compete. So I'll have everything in my mind. I'll be visualizing that, but it'll also be like, okay, tomorrow's tomorrow's game day. Tomorrow's when I turn it on. Tomorrow's when I show the world what I'm made of. So it's a combination of both. What athletes have you looked up to regarding their approach to competition? I think some easy answers would be, you know, anybody that's won it. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you really think has unique 
approaches and and maybe you're trying to steal bits and pieces of what has made them successful? The first three that come to mind are Brian Shaw. Um, I love Brian because he is incredibly methodical. He thinks that he thinks absolutely every single detail through. He has he leaves no stone unturned and he is the epitome of being good at everything. Brian doesn't really have a weakness. And that, in my opinion, is what made him great. I really I love his mindset, too. It champions mindset if there ever was one. I really, really love uh, Bill Kazmaier. Bill Kazmaier, because of his intensity, he was he was like the 70s, 80s version of me where he was like smacking himself in the face to get hyped up. He was grunting. His eyes got really wide angry. He looked angry like he was ready to kill somebody. Um, that's where a lot of inspiration for my intensity comes from. And then uh, Eddie Hall. I like I look up to Eddie Hall because of what he accomplished was absolutely amazing in strongman and just in the strength community in general. But I like his showmanship. I like how he brought a character, the beast, Eddie, the beast hall to uh, strongman. He was a little bit of a showman. He played to the crowd and he was he wasn't afraid to speak his mind on a microphone. And I respect that. And there's those are qualities that I, I bring to strong man with my personal career. So combination of all three of those guys. Is that how you think that you'll be able to find success for a while is to continue to pick up bits and pieces of what made other people successful and try to try to also tailor them to to what you can do well? Absolutely. Yes. Um, the key to success is to always like never stop learning. Never stop learning. Always watch, always listen, keep your eyes open and your ears open. Just pay attention to everything and you'll start picking up little beats, little bits and pieces of success that you can apply to your own career, whether it be with training, whether it be with recovery, whether it be with how to how to approach an event, whatever it may be. You can always learn especially from people who've been doing it a lot longer than you, which with me, I'm usually the greenest guy in every competition. I've been doing this for a very small amount over two years. Everybody at the competition with the exception of one guy, uh, Luke Richardson, but he came from powerlifting and he would, he did that for like, I don't know, like eight years, something like that. He was a world-class powerlifter, but he transitioned to straw man. He's doing very well. But I would say outside of him, I am usually the greenest guy in every competition. I have the least amount of experience, but my results speak for themselves. Your upward trajectory in the sport has been super quick. Oh, it's surpassed many, many, many people, many people. I've just, I achieve more in a shorter amount of time. You had mentioned that after this, you're going to be meeting up with George, who everybody knows was uh, heavily featured in the first episode of someone that's really important to you and played just a huge role in your life and certainly will continue to. What is this dinner going to be like? This is to ease my mind. This is to uh, talk about the upcoming competition a little bit, but more than anything, just uh, like we're really happy and proud of you. We wish we could be there like this, like George is like one of the, if I could only bring one person with me to Worlds, it would be George because ever since I started Strongman, he's always been behind me. He's always supported me. He's been there for me through thick and thin personal problems and everything in between. George has always been there for me. And ever since I started training strong, man, I told him I wanted to be the world's strongest man. He believed in me wholeheartedly that it was, I was going to achieve it. And he knew I was, and it would have meant the world if he could have been there because we always talked about it. We, I always talked about how my first worlds and he was going to be right there next to me, cheering me on and all of that. So Yeah. It's going to be, it's just going to be kind of a stress reliever. It'll be nice to sit down and talk to him. Yeah. It's just going to be a calmer, more down to earth dinner. Yeah. 
Because as you said, you're kind of trying to feel as relaxed as possible before you know that you have to flip that switch again. So Evan, for the next portion of this episode, I want to take people through the actual nuts and bolts of what they will be watching as they tune into the world's strongest man. And so going over some of the events, having you explain to them what those events are, and that way they'll have a good frame of reference for when they tune in. Because I think that there's very few people that wouldn't just be impressed with your story overall and the things that you've been willing to share on this series. But I also want to give them some insight so that they understand exactly what they're viewing and that the impressive nature of these lifts and these events isn't lost on the listener. World's Strongest Man will begin with six qualifying events. And can you take us through the first of those, which is loading medley? Yeah, um, a little bit of a uh, uh, little bit of background information. The the qualifying heats, there's 25 of us total. We're going to be broken up into groups of five and we're going to go through each like with our groups of five. We're going to go through essentially an entire competition. And then the people who place the top two are the ones that qualify for the final. OK, there is a there's a Trump event at the very end. It's called Stone Over Bar where it doesn't matter what your points are. Whoever wins that event is the person that qualifies with first place to go to the final. And there is a deadlift and a squat in the qualifying rounds. The round, the qualifying rounds are going to be broken up so that you're either going to do one or the other. You're not going to do both. Now, with that being said, the first event was the, the loading medley uh, for this year, because we're doing it in Bradenton, Florida. We're going to be doing it in sand, which is God awful and miserable. Um, there's going to be a course probably around 40 to 50 feet long. One end is going to have anywhere from three to five objects over 275 pounds each. For a frame of reference, the average division one defensive lineman only weighs 260 pounds. If they follow the model from last year, it'll be two sandbags, a anvil and a keg. The objective is they're going to blow the whistle and they're going to start a stopwatch. We're going to take each implement, run it down. There's going to be a table about 50-ish inches off the ground. We need to load it onto the table, then run back and grab the next implement, run back, load it back and forth, back and forth. This is a speed-based event and a timed event. So you want to get all four or five of those implements on the table as fast as possible. The second that your hands leave the last implement, that's when your timer stops. Whoever has the, the shortest time, whoever did it in the fastest time wins. And in the world of Strongman, this is, as you said, a speed event. Yes. But for the average person listening, you said no object will be lighter than 275 pounds. Yeah. You, uh, last year, again, last year's model, it was a 275 pound keg, a 280 pound anvil. And then I think it was two 320 pound sandbags. Uh, the next one is a squat. So is that going to be a regular squat or some type of variation? It'll be a, a little bit of a different variation of the, the general powerlifting, uh, powerlifting squat. What we're going to do is there are going to be brackets on both sides of us that are measured out to be depth for the person that's up there. So they're adjustable, obviously. What we're going to do is there's going to be brackets on both sides of us. We're going to be on an axle bar, which is a barbell, but it has no whip to it. So it, it won't bend. And it's the, it has the thickness of a soda can. So we're going to put that on our back. There's going to be two giant globes on both sides of us. And what we need to do is we unrack it. We take our steps back and then we lower it. And both globes have to touch the brackets. And then we come back up. That qualifies as one rep. This is a rep event. I believe we'll be given a minute and a half each. So whoever gets the most amount of reps within that time limit or you go until you fail. 
uh, that's the winner of that event. Yeah. And I would really encourage people. I'm not sure when these events are going to air on TV to watch those because these events, they also have them structured in such a way that it's just visually is a very yes. cool experience. That's one thing that they go for when they pick the uh, the events for World's Strongest Man is they do choose what will be visually pleasing, especially something that will catch your eye. Yeah, uh, you could probably just as easily put weighted plates on each end of an axle. Oh, that would have been a lot easier. But having these globes is it's also something that is just entertaining for people to watch. Uh, so the next event is a truck pull. Yep, we are going to be harnessed to a truck. Now, the event is called a truck pull, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be a truck. There's no telling what the implement will be. It could be it could be a semi truck. It could be last year we had two monster trucks that were tapered to each other and then we pulled them both at the same time. It could be a 747 airplane. We've done that in the past. It could be literally anything, but we're going to be harnessed to the implement, whatever it may be. And then we're going to have a rope that's anchored down at the end of the course. This will be anywhere from 50 to 80 feet long. We're going to essentially use the rope to pull the implement as fast as we can. This is depending on if it's going to be super, super heavy or not, or if it's uphill, <laughs> which happens sometimes. Um, this will be done. This will be measured for time. So whoever can get it across the, the finish line the fastest will obviously win. But if you don't get it across the finish line, then they'll just measure the distance and they'll judge you by that. Uh, next is a deadlift. So could you maybe start by explaining to people what a regular deadlift is and then how what they have chosen might be a little bit different? Yeah. Um, so a regular standard bar deadlift is uh, when the weight starts getting heavy, it has a little bit of whip to it and it's going to have standard plates that's about nine inches off the ground. Uh, the bar will be nine inches off the ground when it has plates on it. Essentially, you're standing over it. You grab it with both hands and then you stand up with it. You stand completely erect with your hips through and your shoulders back. That's the full lockout. You're bringing it to your hips and then you're just dropping it. That is considered a standard deadlift. Now, with World's Strongest Man, could be anything. This could range from uh, uh, standard bar deadlift to car deadlift where they put an they put a car on an apparatus and it has a deadlift bar on it and we lift the front of, front end of the car up for reps. This could be uh, axle bar deadlift for reps. This could be uh, the, the barrel loading, which is a contraption similar to the car deadlift where it's at a bit of an angle. Um, we'll do a deadlift rep and we'll drop it. And as soon as we drop it, a barrel falls into the basket behind us, which makes it weigh like 50 pounds more. Everyday items that weigh 50 pounds include a large bag of dog food, fast setting concrete mix, a small bale of hay or an average male bulldog. And then we do another rep, drop it, and then they drop in another barrel. And that would be a timed event. Who can do all of the barrels the fastest? It's a little bit of a variation of that. We don't really know the specifics behind that yet, but that would be pretty much what it would be. The next qualifying event is log press. So what we're going to do is the log is going to be weighed probably around 350, 360 pounds. This is heavier than Shaquille O'Neal during his playing days in the NBA. We're going to take it from the ground. We're going to roll it up our body and then we're going to overhead press it. Once our elbows are locked out, we'll get and it's in control. We will get the down call from the judge and we will drop it and then we'll do the same thing all over again. This is again a minute, minute and a half. Whoever gets the most amount of reps inside that time will win. Can you tell people what your max log is and then why there's a little bit of a difference between a max effort and then more of this timed event? Yeah, um, my max log press right now is 450 pounds from the ground to overhead where I held it. Going for a max lift is mentally and physically incredibly different from going from uh, uh, log press for reps. 
because it takes a lot of different muscles and it takes a lot more endurance and stamina. The lactic acid builds up in your body a lot when you're doing a heavy weight for reps. So consistently going through it, bang out, bang out, bang out, just more and more reps versus you can put all of your energy and concentration into that one big lift. And if your strength is there, then you're going to blast through it. It's It tests you in, a, in different ways, essentially. Do you have an idea of how many reps you would hope to get in an event like that? Hopefully enough to win. <laughs> um, I can't really give an answer on that because I don't know what the weights are. Okay. So they could be, they could be varying. It could be 320 pounds. It could be 375. It could be 400. There's, I have no idea. Last man standing. The last man standing, the Trump event. Yep. Uh, this is only for second and third place in points. The first place winner automatically qualified for the final. So winning first place in your heat is very good because you get extra rest and you don't have to spend your energy on the stone. Uh, the last man standing stone over bar, there's going to be a bar set to a specific height and two men are going to stand across the bar from each other. And there's going to be a stone probably anywhere from 400 to 420 pounds. And the, the first person to go is going to pick up the stone. They're going to lap it and then they're going to roll it up their body and they're going to place it over the bar in front of the other guy. And then the other guy's going to do it right back and they go back and forth until one person can't load the stone anymore. And whoever can't load the stone anymore, his uh, opposition is the one who qualifies for the final. So it's like a sick game of hot potato. Yeah, it is. It's hot potato in hell essentially is what it is. It's miserable. It sucks. In the Florida sun. Yeah, in the Florida sun. Absolutely. On the beach. So that sand is radiating heat as well. Um, yes, last year I was an alternate and an equipment tester and I was standing by and watching this event unfold. It looked miserable. So I'm really hoping to get first in my heat so I don't have to do it. <laughs> so some of the dynamics of that then are to avoid that event because that is also just further draining you for what would come next in the in the final rounds. Yeah, you want to conserve as much energy as possible. That's why um, everybody pushes for the first place spot in their heat. So that way they don't have to do the fifth event. Okay. So that takes us through the qualifying events and those that place high enough can move on to the final events, which there are also six of the first of those is the yoke slash farmer's walk. Can you explain that for us? Yep. So essentially we're going to have a, um, a mechanism with a very fat bar going across our shoulders and then two pillars going down. And there's going to be weights on the, on that implement. That's called the yoke. That's going to be anywhere from 900 to 1100 pounds or the weight of a very large grizzly bear. We're going to pick that up off the ground, resting on our shoulders, and we're going to walk 50 feet as fast as we can. And as soon as we cross the line, we're going to drop it. Now, because it's a medley, we're immediately going to go into the farmers. The farmers is essentially picking up two very, very large dumbbells with no straps. This is a pure grip and grip strength and foot speed. You're going to grab the implements, stand up, and you're going to walk 50 foot back where you started. And as soon as you cross the line, you're going to drop it. And this is a timed event. So whoever does this, this event, the fastest is the winner. And next is the log ladder. The log ladder is similar to log overhead press, clean and press for reps, but with a slight twist and it makes it a little bit more miserable. This is a, uh, an event that they've been doing in World's Strongest Man for a long time now. Log ladder is there's going to be four or five logs set up uh, equal distance up in front of each other, uh, a long line of logs in front of you. You're going to start with the first weight, probably somewhere around 300 pounds, clean, press, you'll get the down call, you drop it, you immediately move on to the next log, clean, press, you get the down call, you drop it, you move on to the next log. Each log gets heavier. 
So by the end of it, it's going to be anywhere from 380 to 400 pounds. It's going to be a heavy log at the end. It could be 440. It, it's going to be a miserable ladder, but it'll be a good test of your grit because you, by the end of that log, I've, I've done numerous log ladders in, in preparation for this. This, this tests your grit because by the end of that last clean and pressed, you're, you're gassed. So it'll be interesting. The next event is keg toss. Keg toss. We're going to have eight quarter kegs about 10 feet in front of us. And that's going to be in front where we're posted. There's going to be a 16 foot tall barrier that we need to throw the kegs over. So I'm going to run to the first keg. It'll be probably around 30, 35, 40 pounds. And we're going to launch it into the air and it needs to go over the sign over the the barrier, whatever it is. And then as soon as it goes over, we go to the next one. Boom, boom. And you go through the entire line and and the kegs get heavier every two kegs. So the first two kegs will weigh the same. Then the next two will be heavier. Next two will be heavier. Next two will be heaviest. It's a timed event. So as soon as the last keg goes over the barrier, as soon as it touches the ground, that's when time stops. To continue to give people points of reference. Now, this is that event that we had we had messed around with at our last interview, correct? Yes. Uh, we had a variation of it because we didn't have kegs at, at my gym. We used sandbags, but it's the same thing. And I think that you were throwing sandbags from 30 pounds to 50 pounds over the 16 foot pole. And then the most that I got was a 30 pound bag over a 14 foot pole. That was fun for me to do that because obviously I already know I'm not nearly as strong as you, but I wanted some frame of reference of like, what is that when I'm watching these guys do that type of activity, what does it actually feel like? So the next one is the Hercules hold. And this one is actually one that I've also watched you practice. And it's such a unique event. And you had mentioned grit when it comes to the log ladder. I think that this is almost the definition of grit. So I'd be curious as you explain it. Absolutely. This is definitely the purest test of your grit and your pain tolerance. This isn't even about uh, muscle strength or anything like that. This is pure. How long can you stand the feeling of the skin on your hands being ripped off and your shoulders being pulled out of socket? This is definition of pain tolerance is do the Hercules hold. You'll test yourself. So what we're going to do is we're going to have two very large uh, Roman looking pillars on both sides of us and they'll have handles. What we're going to do is we're going to grab both handles with a firm grip. We're going to widen our stance. And then as soon as uh, we say that we're ready, they're going to loosen the chains that are holding the pillars up. And we're going to take the full weight of both pillars in each hand. So essentially we're going to get our arms are going to be outstretched in both directions and we're going to be being pulled apart. The competition is based on who can hold that the longest and who can fight through the pain the longest. So whoever has the longest time will win. Next is another deadlift variation. Now, is that going to be similar to the qualifying that you won't exactly know what variation it is or do they have given you an idea? We were given an idea. This is going to be a max weight deadlift and this is going to be from 18 inches. So standard bar height when you're lifting on a normal bar with normal plates is nine inches off the ground. This is doubled. So it'll be around everybody's knees unless you're really short. Uh, you have an advantage if you're really short and you're just kind of built stockier. Yeah. If you, this is a little bit of a different lift because you're not able to build any speed off the ground. This is purely pulling from your knees up just to lock out position. Again, it's the same concept. Just pick it up, lock your hips, uh, shoulders back. You get the down call, you drop it. You only have to do one, but this is going to be rising bar. So everybody's going to go. They're going to lift it and then they're going to raise the weight and then everybody's going to go. And if you fail it, then you're out. 
And you just keep going until only one person remains. And whoever lifts the most amount of weight wins. And then finally is the Atlas Stones. Can you explain those? And why is that the chosen as the finale for World's Strongest Man? Ah, yeah, the Atlas Stones. That is always the finale to World's Strongest Man. Every year, it's always Atlas Stones. Um, The Atlas Stones are an iconic strongman event. If somebody does not know what strongman is, everybody's go-to to to explain it is, I pick up the big rocks. I pick up the big stones. Essentially what it is, it's six perfect sphere concrete stones that are placed in front of pillars that are going to be roughly around 52 to 56 inches tall. So we're going to cover our forearms and our hands with glue, essentially. We're going to take the stones, we're going to lift them up, roll them up our bodies, and we're going to place them on the platform. As soon as it's locked in the platform and it's not wobbling and it's steady, we go to the next stone, next stone, next stone. This is a timed event. Whoever gets all six stones up the fastest wins the event. And is that just kind of the pinnacle of World's Strongest Man, an event that's maybe most representative of what World's Strongest Man is? And Why do they choose that as the finale? I would say so. I would say so. Um, It's been in World's Strongest Man for as long as I can remember. There's always some sort of a stone lifting event. And uh, it's been around it's been around the sport since it's it's been conceived to even have a world's strongest man competition. Um, I believe that because of the roots of where strongman came from with circus performing and then humans like throughout history, their fascination with strength. Uh, there was, there was a King somewhere in Europe. If I remember this correctly, there was a King somewhere in Europe that chose his, his number one personal bodyguard based on who can pick up the heaviest stone who showed the most strength. And then all, all these different figures throughout history. I think that, uh, Atlas stones has, has really cemented itself as like strongman's face event. If that makes sense. It's, it's the event that represents strongman. I want to just hit some like odds and ends, maybe just to answer some people's questions that when they watch this, they might not know exactly what some of this stuff is. Can you explain what the importance of chalk is? People are going to definitely see a lot of chalk. Oh yeah. If it's not tacky, it's definitely chalk. There's chalk everywhere. Um, now this is definitely important because we are going to be competing in Florida and it's super hot and humid down there. Uh, when we're lifting weights, grip is going to be an issue on everything with the logs, rolling it up our body to overhead, press it to, uh, chalking up our hands because our hands are going to get sweaty when we're deadlifting and we don't want to lose the grip of the, of the deadlift bar. Chalk is vital and crucial to us competing because we don't want anything to slip because that will cause injury and it makes the lift significantly harder. So essentially we're giving the implement a dry surface for every event. That's what the goal of using all the chalk is for. How are you going to be handling you as well as everybody else hydration throughout the the long days in the sun? Uh, definitely lots of water, but also uh, strongman secrets is we use uh, Pedialyte and uh, a lot of us really like uh, the sugar water known as Gatorade. Gatorade's a big one for us too, but mostly it's just staying hydrated with water. It's it's crucial. We're always drinking water because we're all going to be drenched in sweat. Yeah, the the replacement of the electrolytes I think is probably key as you're as you're sweating so much, uh, and that's why you know it's important to also supplement just regular water, which doesn't have the level of electrolytes that something like a Gatorade does, you know, and, and the Pedialyte as well. What about food? How are you going to be handling food for the most part throughout the long days? Uh, food again will be, uh, breakfast will be provided at the hotel. I'm pretty sure. 
But as far as food goes, we I'm going to be feeding myself mostly with like peanut butter sandwiches with honey and and stuff like that. Just little tips and tricks that I've picked up along the way from nutritionists and 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 talks with with people who know about diet and stuff like that. Just little things that I've picked up on mostly carbs to fuel our body because protein is to help rebuild the muscle fibers that you tore during training. And we're not we're at the point where we're at the competition. So protein's not necessarily the most important thing that our body needs right now. What we need is a lot of energy to do what we do. And that comes from carbs. So I'll be carb loading for like a week and a half. <laughs> I think that that covers a lot of the kind of the ins and outs of and questions that people might have. Uh, I wanted to ask you leading up to an event like this that, you know, largely could be a defining moment in your life, uh, whether or not you win, but also just having said, this is the experience that I, that I just had. And I was one of the few people in the world invited to participate in something like this. And it's a culmination of, you know, untold hours of work. Are there any specific people that you'd like to thank? Absolutely. Um, throughout my entire journey, obviously George has been there 100%. Um, I'd love, I'd love to thank him and his sons and his girlfriend, fiance, Lauren. Uh, they've always been big supports of mine through thick and thin. Um, I'd love to thank my sponsors, Interlink Mortgage Company and everybody associated with them. Uh, I confident, I'm confident in saying that I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for them. They've helped me so much in so many different aspects that, uh, they don't even really realize how much they helped me. I'd like to thank my buddy Marcus over in England, who is uh, the the owner of Affinity Supplements. They're all the supplements that I take. He makes supplements for strongmen and strength athletes. Uh, all the BS ingredients and normal over the over the counter supplements are all taken out, and he makes stuff that is effective and it works. It's proven to work. Um, I would like to thank my sponsors at SBD for keeping me up, up to date on all the greatest gear, the strength training gear between my belt, my, uh, my, my apparel, obviously, but my elbow and knee sleeves, my socks and everything in between. Uh, they keep me going. They keep my tendons warm and protected and give me that extra support that I need to do what I do. And also, I would also like to thank uh, Silverback, Rich from Silverback for believing in me and obviously giving me all of the amazing clothing that I wear, that, that I wear throughout my workouts and throughout normal everyday life. Uh, it's a combination of shirts, pants, everything like that. But it also represents a lot of my same morals, too, which I really appreciate and I'm very thankful for. So all together. And then family and friends, people who have just fans, definitely uh, people who have reached out and told me that they believe in me. They think that I can do it. That means a lot to me. I'm definitely thankful for each and every fan that messages me and tells me that they believe in me, that I inspire them, my family for being behind me and my friends for supporting me. Um, another group of people that I'd like to thank is uh, Lauren and Richard McMillan in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They have the best strongman gym on the East Coast, and I honestly would not be anywhere near where I am right now if it wasn't for them. Uh, all my gym buddies, everybody who supported me there, you guys are my family, and I appreciate you guys so much for everything that you've done from helping me load weights to helping me run events, filming, everything in between. I owe you guys all of my success. Thank you guys for that. Do you have a 
a message for yourself. Like as you're this, this episode will be out on November 6th and that will be, I think five days away from the start of the qualifying events. Uh, just a message for yourself that you might need to hear prior to those qualifying events or something that even after you've competed, you can look back on and, and say that was, that was insightful. That was helpful. Through all of the negative experiences that you've gone through, all of the pain, the hardships, the broken hearts, the the broken backs, the the broken broken personality, just everything that you've been through, being broken down so much, all the hard work that you've put in when people were starting to give up on you, or just everything that you've put into this. I see what you've put into this. You've put your body, your mind, and your soul into this, and nobody can ever take that away from you. No matter what happens in the competition, you are one of the best in the world. You went out there, you proved everybody wrong and you showed what you're made of. And that's something in and of itself to be proud of. Thank you for tuning in to part three of T-Rex Talk with Evan Singleton. I'm your host, Taylor Kramer from Cold Shower Media. And another thank you to Interlink Mortgage Services for powering this project.